Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. So I don't know if you guys realized it, but the family is something that God designed. The family is something that God constructed. Not just so that um, we can grow up together, your kid eventually leaves the house, and you have grandkids and all this stuff, but God constructed the family for many reasons. It's how we grow. As Christians, we can't grow in a vacuum. We have to grow in community. Um, there's accountability that's built in. If your brother's getting picked on or if your brother's doing something they shouldn't be doing, you call them back. You call them out. There's mentor figures that are built into the family. You have your parents that are supposed to be shepherding your kids to be more and more like the people that you created them to be, that God created them to be. The family is very important. And God constructed his family in the same way. As Christians, we can't grow in a vacuum. We can't do it by ourselves. Um, there's this, um, there's kind of this movement that's going around that's hitting the church today, it's, and, and people are saying essentially this. When you ask them, what is it you believe? They say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Like, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not really interested in the organized religion of this world. And it even goes deeper than that. Uh, Barna did a study, and they found that there's this there's this pocket of people that that say I love Jesus, but not the church. And they've divided and said, Well, hey, I lo- I, I love God, but I actually I don't like the whole gathering together thing of church. And what they found in this study was crazy that these people over here that love God but not the church, they said they knew just as much about God as the, as the church attenders did. They believed the same things about God. Um, they actually viewed church in a positive, that it has a positive effect of society. But then all of a sudden it started to change a little bit. This group over here didn't think it was really important to share their faith with anybody else. They said, I'm cool with keeping my views to myself. Their spiritual disciplines of reading the Bible and reading spiritual books, those were way lower than somebody that attended church regularly. And they would never get, it was like a 0% of them willing to go to a retreat or an event at a church. Now, I thought that was interesting as I was reading that because I feel like that's an epidemic that's hitting the church. I love God. Here's what it's saying. I love God, but I'm not willing to be with you. I'm not willing to get into the messiness of church. And the crazy thing is these people that they interviewed, they're not people with big church wounds, with people that have gotten hurt by church or all this stuff. They're just, they're just saying, hey, I can watch my favorite preacher on TV who's ten times better than me, I can, I can learn that way, but I'm just going to kind of keep it to myself. And I want you to, we're in this series called Here I Am, and I want you to read this quote that, that Barna said. It'll be up here on the screen in a second. And, and today we're talking about how we can't do it alone. It says this, churches need to be able to say to these people, 
the, the I love Jesus but not the church, and to answer for themselves that there's a unique way you can find God only in church, and that faith does not survive or thrive in solitude. If you think about it, let's say somebody came, came up to me. Let's say Marcus came up to me and said, hey, Joe, you know, you're my homie. You're cool. Like, we're besties, right? I don't think he'd say that. Like, you know, we, we have a really good relationship right now. And, you know, like, I'm just so excited about where we're at. But there's just one thing. I can't stand your son. Judah's always crying. He's always annoying. He's always in the way of our relationship. He's just, he's just, he's, 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 he wants too much of your time and attention. But if, you know, if we could just push him to the side and just focus on me and you, we'd be cool. You know, that doesn't make any sense because if you love me, you love my kids. The way that I know that you love me is if you love my kids and my wife. It'd be weird if you're like, hey, I love you, but I'm not really feeling your family. It's the same thing with church, guys. I have a feeling that a lot of us, we're just, we're tired of the messiness. And we're just like, I can't deal with the hassle of people, but I can focus on my relationship with God. And I'm here to tell you today that, that growth can't happen in a vacuum. A private faith is, is necessary, but it's not the only thing that we need to grow. It actually stunts us. Think about it. Think of people, when they, when they do studies on orphans who don't have a normal family, their, their uh, maturity, their growth is so much lower than somebody that has a family that loves them and cherishes them. It's the same thing with the church. We're only going to grow so much by ourselves. But God wants to use a community of people to help us grow together. I didn't understand this in college. I was, I was a part of this group. Like, I could just watch a sermon and, and take notes. I don't need the rest of the body. But what I want us to focus on today is how important it is for the church and other people in our growth. So we're going to stand as we read this morning. We're going to be looking at a, a guy named Samuel. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 5. It says this, the boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. May God bless the reading of his word. You guys can have a seat. We've been doing a series the past two weeks um, called Here I Am. And what does it mean to hear and to obey God's voice? And now we're at this, this story, we, we looked at Abraham, we looked at Moses, now we're at this guy named Samuel. And here's a little backstory on Samuel. As we just read, this was not a good time to live in. It says the Lord's voice and his visions and his prophecies were rare. People were just doing whatever they wanted in their own eyes. And there was this woman named Hannah, and she couldn't have a baby, and she was so 
distraught. She struggled with it for years. And finally, she just said, God, if you give me a baby, I will dedicate him to you. I will give him to the priest. He can be yours, and he'll be used by you. And God granted her that wish. And Samuel, as a little boy, grew up in Eli's household. But the problem was Eli was not a very faithful priest. His sons were a mess. They were profaning the Lord's sacrifices. They were, they were priests under Levi. Um, they were doing some things they shouldn't have done with women at the Lord's tent. Like, this was, a, this was a bad time. And Eli confronted them, but they didn't listen. And eventually, Eli got tired of confronting his sons and just kind of got passive to it. And we see Samuel lives a very different lifestyle in the midst of this mess that's going on. If you look in a chapter before, at verse 218, it says, Samuel served in the Lord's presence. This mere boy was dressed in the linen ephod. So Samuel grew. If you go to the next verse, in 221, it says, The Lord paid attention to Hannah's need, and she conceived and gave a birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And then it says in 226, by contrast, the boy Samuel grew in stature and favor with the Lord and with people. So meanwhile, while all this, this mess is going on in Eli's family, Samuel steps in and he's growing in the midst of it. It could have been very easy for him to just go along with the flow of what was happening in that time. But he said, no, I'm going to grow in God's presence in the midst of this, this awful sin that's happening. If you think about it, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus grew up in a time that wasn't real great. Um, and there's a verse that almost parallels 226 in Luke 252. And basically it says this. Um, God, like Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. He was obedient. And I want you to look at this. We're going to read through that verse again. It says, The boy served the Lord in Eli's presence. Those days where the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his, his usual place. The lamp had gone, had gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple where the ark of the Lord was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So we went and lay down. The first thing that, guys, we have to observe when we're trying to hear and obey mean God's voice means we need to grow where we are. Grow where we are. If you're interested in taking notes today that's in the bulletin, we can fill along with that. Growing where you are. Think about this, teens. It's easy to be at school and to look around you and say, just be honest, sometimes school feels a lot like what I just described. It's not a fun place that you're walking into every day. But what God could be telling you today is, hey, grow in the midst of that. Don't just compare yourself to other people and say, hey, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, so I can just kind of coast over here and not grow. Use this time as you're under your parents' household to grow. Parents. This is not a time just to coast and survive until your kid goes to college. 
and just just hold on for dear life. No, he's saying model what it looks like for your kids to grow in the Lord's presence. Even if your kid is out of the house, even if they're 20, 30 years old right now, model for them what it looks like to grow. Senior adults, a lot of you guys think, I'm past the years of growing. I'm past the years of God using me. God never says there's this magic number and he says, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop using you at this date. Grow where you're at. I think a lot of us, we look at the world and we're just, we're terrified of what we see. We're scared. We feel like culture is just crumbling. And instead of being the, the agents that God wants us to be to change and influence the culture, we just coast and say, I'm going to hang on until Jesus comes back. Like, oh, I pray Jesus is coming back soon. And that's a good thing to pray. But what are you doing in the meantime? Are you going to be an influencer of the culture or not? Think about this. Have you ever noticed something, water, that's really stagnant and just kind of hangs out? What usually happens to that water? It gets sick, right? Algae starts to just cover the entire lake. The fish don't have enough oxygen and sunlight for growth, and then the fish die. What I want us to see today is that no matter the environment that we're in, God can grow us to influence the culture. We just, like we talked about, Jesus grew where he was. But hearing and obeying God's voice doesn't just mean that. It means that we need to be getting help from someone who's seasoned. If you look in um, verse um, 6, or verse 4, the Lord called Samuel. He answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I didn't call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. I did not call my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Samuel did not know yet the Lord because the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down. So what's happening here? Samuel's trying to fall asleep. God keeps showing up to him and says, Samuel. And Samuel pops up, says, here I am, sprints to Eli because he thinks Eli is the one that's calling him. And he does it three times, and Eli's getting frustrated like, Samuel, you've got to stop waking me up, man. I'm old, I need my sleep, right? Come on. And eventually after the third time, as he goes to him, Eli realizes that God is trying to get a hold of Samuel. You know, see, Eli wasn't doing real great in his spiritual walk, but he knew what it looked like for God to speak to him. So he's like, okay, I know what's happening right now. I need to, Samuel, whenever God calls you again, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to say, speak for your servant is listening. So Eli helps Samuel because Samuel didn't really know what was going on. And I think, guys, in life, we try to go it alone. When there's some older, wiser people that are around us that can mentor us through those seasons. And mentoring is such a vital thing in the, in the economy of God. Um, basically, um, 
we talked about getting help from someone seasoned. I, when I was in college, I, uh, I needed money because college students don't make much money. Um, and uh, I'm like, what could I do? And I figured I have a bright idea. I'm going to be a pizza delivery man, okay? And I'm going to work for the greatest pizza company in the entire world, Papa John's, all right? Better ingredients, better pizza. Okay. You guys are spoiled with this Pizza Hut, okay? You're going to branch out a little bit. Um, so I remember going to this orientation, and right around that time, I remember hearing something at a church saying how vital mentoring was in your life. And I didn't have anybody older than me. I'm like, I'm, I'm in college. Who's going to be able to mentor me? This is weird. Like, I'm not going to pick maybe one guy that's, you know, on the same stage of life with me and mentor me. No, like I need God help me find somebody. So I remember going to Papa John's and basically you had to do this, uh, you know, orientation like all jobs have. And I'm in there and I'm in there with this guy who's probably in his like mid to late fifties. I'm like, okay, this is weird. You know, like why, why is this guy here at Papa John's? And I remember the guy gave us a quick break and we, me and this other guy's name is Steve. We started talking and turns out, he used to be a young life leader, he was a pastor, he was a missionary, and now he was back at Liberty trying to kind of figure out what was the next phase of his life. And I remember that, that created one of the deepest friendships that I ever had in college. It was a guy I met at a Papa John's orientation. And I remember meeting up with him a few times, I'm like, Steve, could you mentor me through college? And the, the amazing thing that Steve did was he didn't just tell me what to do. The best mentors aren't people that just say, all right, yeah, here's the decision you need to make. The best mentors say, here's what God could be saying to you, and here's how you should respond to God. And that's what Steve did to me. He didn't just make decisions for me. I brought him my situations, and he helped me kind of sift through it. Mentorship is so important. You see mentors all through the Bible. You have um, Jethro and Moses, you have Moses and Joshua, you have Elijah and Elisha, you have Paul and Timothy, you have Jesus and the disciples. There was always this constant pouring into each other. So teens, if you want to have a successful high school career where it's not just constantly just going through the same things, making the same mistakes, having the same problems, go to somebody in this church, go to a youth leader and say, hey, can you mentor me while I'm in high school? Mentor me while I'm in junior high. Help me with decisions that I'm making. Help me process stuff. Guys, that would be, you'd be so far ahead of the game than most of everybody else. Adults, a lot of us, we don't have any guidance. We don't have any help for somebody that's older. Find somebody in this room that, that has traits that you want and say, hey, can I meet up with you once a month? Can we talk about life? Mentoring is so important. Senior adults, some of you, like I said, you feel like I'm at this point where I, I'm just not, there's nothing happening. You have so much wisdom to offer the next generation. Be available. Be willing to be used in that role. Proverbs 1, 5 says, Let a wise person listen and increase learning. Let a discerning person obtain guidance. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Mentoring, guys, puts us in that place where we're walking among the wise. We're getting help and assistance as we walk through life. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders 
who you have spoken God's word to you. As, as you carefully observe their outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Don't pick a mentor that's not living out their faith. Because you're going to start to take on the habits and the traits of those people. Find somebody that loves Jesus, that's living their walk out, and go say, hey, will you mentor me? Well, here's, the story goes on, and then something happens to Samuel where he's not super excited about what he has to do. He says, the Lord came, stood there, called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel did as Eli said, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who listens or hears about it will shudder. Yikes. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I've said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I've sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out, either by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning, and he opened the doors of the Lord's house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. So God speaks to Samuel and basically says, all right, I'm going to give you this message against your mentor, the guy that you've grown up with your entire life, and you have to tell him this. And God had already warned Eli before, but now Samuel needed to give the God-breathed message. He needed to be giving the God-breathed message, and he was afraid to do it. Guys, there's a lot of times, if you think about it with a family member, if one of your siblings or one of your parents or if one of your cousins is starting to, to stray away, starting to go down a bad path that, that you know is not good for them, something inside of you says, I need to tell them something, right? Same thing with the body of Christ. If we see a member of this body, maybe they stop showing up. Maybe we see them on social media and we see what they're actually doing. There's something inside of us that says, man, I should probably tell them something. But what do we normally do? We zip our lips and they stray farther and farther away from God. Maybe it's somebody in the church where you just saw an encounter they had with somebody and you're like, man, that didn't seem much like Jesus would have done it. I should probably tell them something, but uh, it could be a little awkward. I don't want to offend them. Think about this, guys. If you saw somebody texting, and they were walking, they, they weren't looking up, and they were heading for an 100-foot cliff, and they're just texting, and they're walking, they're not looking up, and how much would you not love somebody not to warn them, right? If you just said, oh, this would be awkward. I don't want to step in on this, this uh, messiness right here. I don't know what they'll think of me. No, they're about to walk off a cliff, right? So, guys, how do we restore people that are, that are doing things or, or, or maybe walking away from the faith? Well, here's what Galatians says about it. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watching out for yourself so that you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So guys, if we have to confront somebody, we don't come in guns hot. We don't say, you're wrong, you're doing this, you're sinning, you need to repent and get back to God right now. You say, no, hey, 
It's like, hey, James, I, I love you so much. I'm your brother, and I'm saying this because I love you, and I'm worried that the path you're going down is not a good one. How do you restore somebody? And you do it in love. You speak truth in love. In Ephesians 4.15, it says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. So guys, when, like we did up here with the little boys and girls, if God puts somebody on your heart, puts a message on your heart to share with somebody else, we can't delay in it. We can't just say, ah, like, I mean, I struggle with the same thing. There's some people that God's put on my heart right now that I need to s- maybe need to say some tough things to, and I don't want to do it. I'm like Samuel. I'm like, I do not. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. But don't delay if God's put something on your heart. We go back to the story. So Eli wakes up. Eli came to him and said, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel said. What was the message he gave you? Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. Eli responded, he is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. So Eli wakes Samuel up and says, Samuel, what did God tell you last night? And Samuel's like, okay, here it comes. And he tells him everything that God told him. And Eli just said, all right, I knew this was coming. Let God do what he needs to do. So not only are we giving the God-breathed message, but we need to glean the God, we need to glean from others' feedback. Feedback is not a fun thing. How many of you guys like feedback? Yeah, not, not a whole lot of hands, right? Did you guys know that feedback is a crucial thing in our growth? I could be preaching for four years thinking I'm doing an awesome job, and if everyone's like, yeah, he's doing okay, and then, but if nobody gave me feedback on, on where I'm at or what I'm doing, I could be going down the same path for a long time, and nobody, and I wouldn't know it, and it'd be affecting all of you. So, back to college, I feel like I'm always telling college stories. Um, I remember we're on a, I'm on a Young Life team, and there was this guy on my team, his name was Dan Bob, Okay. Dan Bob. Yes, it was a nickname. Not sure why we wanted it, but we called him Dan Bob. And Dan Bob took a semester off of college, and he was a missionary in Thailand. And as he's over in Thailand, he had an awesome time. God was really working, showed him a lot of stuff. He comes back to the team, and he says, hey, guys, I think we should institute something that I learned in Thailand. And we're like, yeah, this sounds great. Anything to help the team. He's like, we need to institute feedback. I'm like, Okay, well, what, what is that? What, how do we implement that? And he said, okay, for all of us to have feedback, we all have to be in agreement that we can do feedback. And we're like, okay, we'll do feedback. Like, let's get on with it, Dan Bob. Um, and he says, what you have to do is you say, hey, you come to the person and say, hey, do you mind if I give you feedback? And they have to give them permission to do it. We're like, okay, makes sense. So you give the feedback. And then the person that's receiving the feedback has to just say thank you. They can't respond. They can't try to do a little rebuttal in their head. They just have to say thank you, walk away, sleep on it. And if something's still bothering them about the comment, then, then they can talk about it. But you had to step away from the situation after somebody shared. I'm like, this all sounds great. 
I can do that. So I'm giving a few people feedback, and it's working. And all of a sudden, one day, one of my leaders comes up to me and says, hey, Joe, do you mind if I give you some feedback? And I'm like, wait, why would I need feedback, right? Hey, hold up. What's this about, right? I'm doing a great job. Well, I remember my leader told me something about a situation that happened a few weeks back, and and I remember everything inside of me wanted to fight it. Everything inside of me says, no, how dare you? I was not in the wrong in that. This was the real story, da 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 but all I had, all I could say was thank you. And I'm just like, gosh, this stinks. I don't like this. But I remember going home that night, and I was still kind of stewing and boiling over it. But God said, Joe, that was, that was real. That's what happened. And I remember that helped me grow so much more than just a pat on the back. Feedback's not fun, but it's necessary for our growth. Here's some, some practical ways that we can have effective feedback. The first one is that we need to ask for permission. Like if Trey, let's say Trey did something, and I was going to give him feedback, what I should not do is just come in, guns hot, and says, hey, Trey, what you did yesterday was terrible. Like, you really need to step up your game, da, 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 da. How is, some, how is Trey going to receive that? Not good. But if I went to Trey and I said, hey, Trey, I noticed something yesterday that I just want to talk to you about. Do you mind if I give you some feedback? And they say, yes, you've entered into that relationship where you can effectively give it. You ask permission to give feedback to somebody else. The second one is make it timely. And here's, here's what I mean by timely. Don't wait a year after somebody does something and say, hey, a year ago when you did this, they're going to be like, what the heck? Why are you bringing that up right now? Right? Make it timely. If something happens where you feel like you need to give feedback to somebody, don't delay a whole, long a whole lot of time. And also make it timely. If you see that that person is not in a, in a place to receive constructive criticism, don't just drop a bomb on them, okay? Pray for the right time and the opportunity to give somebody feedback. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word spoken at the right time is like gold apples in silver settings. Proverbs 25, 11. Not only do we make it timely, but we need to be supportive and specific. Um, a lot of times, guys, if we have like a feud or an issue with somebody, we let 10, 15 things boil up in our mind. And when we, when we give that to them, they're like, I don't even know what I did. You're just saying I'm, I'm mean, I'm, I'm angry, I'm all this stuff. But what was the specific thing? But if you say, hey, Sam, I noticed when we were at youth group last night and you said this to this student. I don't know if that came across the best way. That's being specific. And always have a supportive attitude saying, I'm willing to help you grow. And then the last one is this, and this was a humble pill for me. Be willing to receive feedback yourself. We don't want to be the people that are just giving feedback, but we're not willing to take it ourselves. And that's so hard for me. Because I think, oh, this person's attacking me. Oh, I'm failing. No, he's helping me grow. Proverbs 15.31 says this, The one who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. And 16.13 says, Righteous lips are a king's delight, and he loves the one who speak honestly. 
So feedback is important, guys. And we can't do that by ourselves. We can't have feedback when we're in isolation and we're living by ourselves trying to live out this Christian faith. We can't do it. Nothing can grow in a vacuum. And here's the rest of the, the, the passage. It says this. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. We'll end it at that. So guys, what happened was, because Samuel was obedient in this message, this was his first um, message that God was giving him to give to somebody else. Because he was obedient there, God continued to reveal himself to Samuel. So not only are we gleaning understanding from the feedback like Eli was, but we need to be con- continue going with continued obedience. Going with continued obedience. Guys, I think a lot of times we're not hearing from God, we're not experiencing God because we're being disobedient in the last thing that God told us to do. And why would God continue to to want you and reveal to you other things if he can't trust you with the first thing. We need to continue to go with obedience. So I talked at the very beginning, this is my last story, I'll wrap it up, about a pond that's filled with algae. And because of the algae, it's blocking the sunlight to the bottom of the pond. And fish can't live there, plants can't live there, it's just this, it's this messy place. But they have this new technology, guys. Well, it's old technology used in a new way where they put ultrasound into the, um, into the pond. They attach like this contraption to the edge of the pond, and it shoots ultrasound vibrations all the way through the water. And what it does is it, it breaks up the algae at the top. It doesn't affect any of the fish or the plants, but it creates an environment where now where the sun can affect the fish. Samuel, guys, because he was obedient to God's word, I don't know if you caught it, it said the word went from Dan to Beersheba. So now God's voice was now being heard in the whole land. So guys, our obedience is not just for ourselves and our personal walk with God. Our obedience is for our neighbors. Our obedience is for this community. Because when it broke up all all the algae, fish were able to thrive. So, guys, part of our job as believers is when we obey and hear, hear and obey God's voice. It's going to break up that excess stuff so more people can hear from God. We don't have to live in that nasty, algae-filled pond. Because of our obedience as the church, we can affect the community. We can affect the school. We can affect our works. We can affect the culture. And we don't have to come up with all these crazy ways. We just have to be obedient to God. And it affects it from the outside. Um, Here's the amazing thing, guys. Jesus was the perfect example of obedience. He mentored people. When God gave him a word that he needed to share, he would share it. And he was obedient all the way to the cross. He was obedient to the point of death to the cross. Because that was his mission. His mission wasn't to come to earth to be this nice guy to be a good teacher, his mission was to die. That, that's kind of a, a bummer mission. If we, got, if we got that mission from God, you're going to die. Okay, thanks, God. 
But his death, guys, was so much more radical and big than we can ever think of. He took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt as humans. He obeyed God, died on the cross. They thought hope was lost when they buried him in the grave, that he died, their leader. But no, Jesus was the only one that's ever defeated death forever. And he was risen to the right hand of God. That means he's in charge of this whole earth. He holds all things together. It says he sustains life right now. Are we willing to be hearers of him and be obedient? Or are we just going to blend in with the rest of the culture and coast? I'll end with this verse. It says Philippians 2, 12 through 16. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God, listen to this part, who are in a faultless and crooked and perverted generation. That's where we live. Among whom you shine like stars in the world. By holding firm to the word of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Guys, what this is saying is we're in this very dark, messy culture, but when we hold fast to God's word, we're going to shine like stars. We're going to light up this dark world. We don't just have to blend in and hide in the dark with everybody else until Jesus comes back. We stand up and we say, I'm a believer in God. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to influence the culture that God has put me in so that others can be drawn to him. It says, when the Son of Man is lifted up, all men will be drawn to himself. Is that going to be us? Is that going to be our church? Are we going to be a safe place for people that are stuck in this boat right now saying, I love God, but I don't love the church? Are we going to be an awesome, grace-filled place where they can link arms and grow? Or are we going to be a community that sees people going down the wrong path and, and keeps, keeps silent? Guys, my prayer is that we're this church that has loving, open arms where people can come and grow with us. Some of you today, you have a hard time with church. Church is not real fun. Church is just this thing that I have to check the box. I'm telling you, from the past four years of being a part of a church, even if in leadership, guys, the church has grown me. Being in community has grown me. I, couldn't, I, cu I could only go so far by myself. God wants a fully mature, fully complete human being. And that's in Christ's family. I don't want to get to God one day and say, God, I love you, but I didn't love your kids. I didn't love your family. The way that we treat each other, the way that we love each other, shows how much we love the Father. Some of you today don't know Jesus. And honestly, guys, this is the perfect message for you to hear because this is how the church should be operating. You get to just sit back and kind of watch. Wow, okay. Some of us do know Jesus, but we struggle with this. Guys, community is the only place 
the only full place that we can grow. We can definitely grow by ourselves, but we need each other. That's why we exist, guys. The church is, a, is people. It's not a building. As Ross comes and as we're about to sing a song, just check your heart this morning. How are you viewing the church? How are you responding? Are you sharing things that you need to share with people? Do you have a mentor in your life that can imp- import wisdom and knowledge and favor to you? Are you willing to receive feedback? Are you willing to give feedback? Because I'm telling you guys, when we, when we obey, when we continue to obey God, culture changes. God is only wa- wanting us to be obedient. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you that while we were disobedient, you were obedient, God. While we were faithless, you were faithful. God, I pray today that we would hear and obey your voice. Whatever that is for us all over this room, if there's a person that we need to talk to as soon as this gets out, if there's some reflection inside saying, are we willing to be changed? Or are we just willing to go and keep coasting with the flow? God, I pray that we wouldn't just be people that hide in our houses and wait until Jesus comes back. God, we want to be living the mission that you gave us from the start. I don't want to be afraid, God. Cast out the fear that's in this room today. Lord, help us just be willing to be used by you. No matter how hard that message is to receive, God, no matter how hard the mission is that you've given us, God, you said you'll be with us. And your word is more important than somebody else's opinions. And I pray that we cling to that this morning. It's in your name. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. And I want you to do something a little different today. I want you to hold your hands out in front of you like you're receiving something. Okay. I'm going to speak a blessing over you, and then we're going to sing the doxology. Children of God, you've been made new by Jesus Christ. You do not have to be afraid of the world this week. By being obedient to God's voice, you can influence the world around you. Go this week and do just that.